Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, right now we are going to, we're starting a new series and who knows that the Bible is filled with some big, um, amazing stories. And so just to, uh, just to get, us in the, um, get us in the mode uh, for this series, I'd love you to look to the screen as it explains what we're about to uh, speak about. So thanks. In a world of vibrant hues and eccentric characters, follow the remarkable journey of Joseph. A dreamer, betrayed by his own brothers, thrust into a captivating tale of resilience and redemption. From the confines of slavery to the opulent corridors of power, witness Joseph's rise as a leader. His path intertwines with an alluring woman, while his dreams and God guide him through treacherous waters of intrigue and forgiveness. For this adventure we'll need a pit, a slave's tunic, a dream about wheat and stars, a dream about cows and grain, a signet ring, a cupbearer's cup, and a technicolor coat, starring Jacob, Joseph's eleven brothers. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, Pharaoh, the cupbearer and the baker, and Joseph. Immerse yourself as Joseph's technicolor coat and unwavering spirit captivate. An extraordinary adventure where dreams and destiny collide. A stunning and emotionally captivating journey of faith, discovery, purpose, and divine alignment. Amazing. So, um... It, I don't know about you, but that sounds like the next new series to um, binge on Netflix or whatever, you know, streaming. So you're like, where do I sign, where do I sign up for this? Where can I, where, where, where can I watch this? Here's my, here's my little binge challenge for you over the month of July. Um, the Bible is the streaming service. I know that was so, that was so cringe anyway. Um, but it's found, uh, the story of Joseph is found in Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. Uh, between chapters 37 to 50. And uh, we'll spend most of our time over these next four weeks speaking from chapters 37 to 41. But, but, but I'd love to encourage you, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, entertainment, whatever you're into, you know, New Jack Ryan series, you know, whatever, whatever, you're, whatever you're into, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't forget that we are what we eat, yeah. that the content we consume sows seeds. We've been talking about a lot about seeds over the last few weeks, but it sows seeds into our lives. And, and we live in the most uh, content-rich in, in quantity, not in quality. As I know, every time I walk past our TV and some child is watching Dance Mums, I'm like, no, not, not quality, <laughs> quantity, right? But we live in the most uh, content-rich time ever on the face of the, of the planet, why don't we use this and use that access to build our faith in God and not diminish it? And so anyway, I'd love to encourage you to read through. Uh, may, maybe you've never read the Bible before. Maybe you're like, oh, it's so thick and big, and I, I don't know, is it like a telephone directory? You know, maybe you're young and you're like, what is a telephone directory? Just, uh, you know, ask an old person afterwards. But, you know, what it, whatever it is, I'd love to encourage you to... Um, to open the Bible, um, Genesis 37 to 50, it's a, it's a great story as we follow Joseph. And so, like we saw, this series is called Future. It's all about embracing God's dream for your life. And today, the title of my message is Whose Dream? Who, whose Dream? And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's various theories or, or, or things about dreams. Can you, can you remember what you dreamt last night? 
maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I, I don't usually, and, and randomly, um, obviously I wrote this message before last night, just so, you, just, just, just so you're wondering, but I can actually remember what I dreamt last night. How, how, I was in a cycle race, and I was winning, so it was definitely a dream, and, um, and I, I got my shoelace caught in the chain, and just as that happened, the alarm went off, and I woke up. Legit, like that's not, that's, that's, that actually happened. I'm like, God, thank you for message content the night before. So, so good. But, you know, when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to dreams or dreamers, it's interesting, particularly in Australian culture, we tend to have a, a negative or cynical view of dreams and especially, especially dreamers. Can I give you a little insight, Goss, that I'm probably not supposed to tell you, but at Elevation, we have, um, we have six locations, and we run the same, most of the same series across all our, uh, all our locations, and we, you know, brainstorm together for, you know, what we're going to preach about, and we were going to call this series Dreamers, but then we thought, ah, uh, strain culture, dreamers, you know, it, it tends to have like a negative sort of connotation, oh, he's, just a, he's just a dreamer, he's just a, you know, not, so we called it future, anyway, I probably wasn't supposed to say that, but now you've got the inside, inside scoop, but I think this negative um, connotation around dreamers maybe is um, Daryl Kerrigan from uh, the Australian um, movie The Castle, I think it's probably his fault. Who's, who's seen that movie? Who knows, who knows that movie? You know, one of, one of my favorite scenes, of course, because we've got this thing here, is his son looking through the trading post. There's a throwback for you, the trading post. And he's like, hey, Dad, what's a pulpit? And, um, and the dad's like, oh, it's something a priest preaches from, son. What's he asking? The son says, 400. What is Daryl Kerrigan's response? Telling he's dreaming, right? Okay, we, 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 we all know it. You know, but besides this Australian view of, of dreams or, or dreaming, um, there's, there's another theory about dreams which is called uh, threat simulation theory. So it proposes that while we dream, we hone our fight or flight instincts and build mental capacity for handling threatening situations, right? So they say this is why dreams often contain uh, scary, intense, or dramatic content such as running away from a pursuer, falling off a cliff, getting your um, shoelace stuck in your bike, you know, showing up somewhere naked, going to the bathroom in public, forgetting to study for an important exam. Have you had any of those? No, no, don't answer. Have you had any of those experiences where you've dreamt that before? Okay, so it's this whole idea of dreams. But all throughout the story of Joseph, we find this recurring theme of dreams. This recurring theme of dreams. And so, so here's the setup I'm going to read from Genesis 37, uh, verses 1 through to 5. Jacob, who is uh, also known as Israel in the Bible, so he's Joseph's dad, uh, lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy um, with the sons of Bilah and, and Zilpah, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, oh, sorry, of them to their father. Now Israel, so same person as Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So, so we're going to go on and read about 
Joseph's dream in a second, but I want us just to pause for a moment. See, when the Bible said, now Joseph had a dream, it wasn't because he'd eaten something funky the night before. It wasn't because all his repressed, you know, feelings were coming to the surface of his subconscious and, you know, his fight or flight instincts were being honed. It wasn't because of anything like that. But in the Bible, particularly in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, dreams are usually, they're usually associated with divine revelation. That, that is that dreams are from God. If you're interested, you can look these up, Genesis 20, verse 3, Genesis 28, 12, 31, 10 through 11. And all throughout Joseph's story, we see this idea that dreams are divine revelation from God. And so when we're talking about future and dreams in this series, we're talking about a vision for the future. You see, I believe that over these weeks that God is going to plant dreams in many people's hearts. Some for the first time. Maybe you're, you're new to faith and, and new to following Jesus. And, and up until now, when you've thought about, you know, the future you've had, you know, maybe you've made some goals and you've had an idea about what was ahead in your life or your family's life or your future, but you've never really thought about the fact that maybe God can play a role in this dream and future and goal for what's ahead of you. Others here, maybe um, you know that God placed a dream in your heart. You know that you received some divine revelation of the future and the plan that he has ahead for you. Um, you know, may, may, maybe it's, you know, a, a dream and a future for your family. Maybe it's a, the, the way in which you would use your God-given talents to glorify God and bring good to those around you. But, but, but now it feels like that dream has been lost. Maybe it's been lost to disappointment or disillusionment. Maybe it's been lost to just the day-to-day grind of, you know, getting through life and paying the bills and completing the task. Um, for some here, maybe you're, you're on the trajectory towards uh, what you thought was something great and everything seemed to be all lined up and then that thing called, called COVID hit. Um, and, and not that we necessarily play the COVID card for everything, but it did take a hit on people. It did, you know, um, bring challenge to, to business and family and different, and, and, and different areas. Maybe that God dream, even for this year, for you at the moment, feels just so far off. Maybe you started January like we do each year uh, here at church. And like, okay, God, you've, you've got a word for my life today. You, you've got something to speak to me for this year. You've called me to be this kind of person. You've called me to do this act of faith for you. But, but, but typically we get to July and who knows, it's freezing at the moment. It's freezing at the moment. I know I'm just preaching what's happening, but it's freezing at the moment. But it can be easy to slip into that mid-year time of apathy and, and indifference. And maybe the reality of the year stifled your goals and maybe it's stolen the vision. But, you know, God has called us again to dream. He's called us again to seek his purpose, to continue to step forward in the plan that he has for our lives, no matter what the current situation is. And so, and so I want to encourage you that just like Joseph dreamed a dream, God has a dream for your life. God has a dream for your family. No matter what the past has been, no matter what the current situation feels like right now, God has a dream for your life. And so we're going to read the dream that he gives to Joseph. This is a continuation of where we read. So this is Genesis 37, 5 to 11. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, 
And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed going, uh, going to reign over us? Or are you indeed going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Wow, bit of a bit of a crazy dream right there. I, I, I'm the oldest of three brothers. I know that if my younger brother James came and said, "Hey, I've dreamed a dream. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to bow down to me." No, no. How many youngest are there here? I, I know a few. Yeah, a few, a few youngest. Yeah, yeah. Always the same. No, but um, let's just, let's just shuffle that aside for a moment. You know, the issue of whether you should share a dream like that with old, older siblings. But I want to bring your attention to this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is point number one. There's only two points. We keep it simple here. Number one is this. God's dream far exceeds our own thinking. God's dream far exceeds our own thinking. Let me just remind you of the title of this message. message. It's called Whose Dream? Whose Dream? You see, remember we said in the Bible, particularly in Genesis, that dreams are spoken of, of divine revelation from God. That's, that's, what, that's what dreams are spoken of. In Jewish culture at the time, there was no such thing as like aspirational goals, right? Even, so, even though the text said that, that Israel, Jacob, same guy, loved Joseph because he was the son of his old age, one of the youngest of the family did not have much chance of um, like rising to the top in that culture. Joseph couldn't turn on a Disney movie to watch an inspirational story of someone who overcame obstacles to fulfill a dream. You know, there was no docu-series of a down and out, I don't know, sporting franchise being revitalized to become champions or just being bought by ultra-rich people. That's what they do these days. Anyway, there's there's nothing like that. There's no aspirational goal for the youngest to rise, okay? This dream that Joseph received, it it so far exceeded his own thinking. Jewish culture actually was the opposite. It was that uh, the eldest son received a double inheritance. Who are all the eldest sons here that are like, yeah, we bring that back. We we, uh, bring that back, baby. Come on, come on. I make it, uh, my my father is not, um, is not a Christian, and so I said to him a couple of times, hey, Dad, why don't you meet us halfway, become Jewish, and then at least I get double inheritance. How good, how good would that be? He didn't, he didn't seem to think that was, that, was a, that was a good idea, right? But can I put to you today that this is the same for your life, for your family, and for your situation? You see, God's dream for your life, it, it far exceeds your own ideas, it far exceeds your own thinking. It's bigger and greater and more influential than you could ever think of yourself. And, and I don't know about you, but maybe you hear that. And I remember as a teenager hearing that and thinking, well, at that time, my dream was to be the greatest drummer that the, um, that the world had ever seen. And I'd be like, don't think so, God. I got a pretty big dream for my life. You know, just, just, just beat that. You know, that sounds like a teenager speaking to, speaking to God. But this thing is that that was such a smaller dream 
because it only involved one person, me. And as someone said, it actually involves the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. You see, God's dream is far bigger than our own thinking. It's far bigger than what we could conjure up in, in, in ourselves. In the, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is wrapping up a, a prayer for spiritual strength in Ephesians 3. He says this. This is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. You see, God can do, this scripture tells us, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Why, why does he do that? We, we don't miss the next phrase, which is really important. It says, according to the power at work within us. And you know, that, that phrase there in verse 20 of Ephesians 3 is actually linked to an earlier phrase in the same chapter. Verse 7 says this, it's, it's Paul He's speaking about what his, his ministry. He says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was, given, which was given me by the working of his power. See, those two phrases are linked. Uh, working of his power, the power at work within us. You see, well, what is this power? Well, Paul said that it's the gift of God's grace. You see, it's only... By God's grace, what, what, what does grace mean? Grace means getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is stopping us getting what we do deserve, but grace, it lifts us and it gives us what we don't deserve. You see, because God can do exceedingly abundantly more because it's Him working in us. It's not because of our own actions. It's not because of our own abilities. It's because of God's grace working in our lives. It's activated by faith. You see, this morning, your, your dream may be, please, God, just you know, let my family stay together and my kids be happy and, and stay out of trouble. Good dream. But can I tell you, God's dream far exceeds that for your family. He, his dream is that your marriage just wouldn't survive, but it would prosper and it would continue to deepen and grow more connected day by day. You see, God's dream for your children is that they would walk in the plan and purpose for their lives, that they'll, they'll not just be happy. Being happy is okay, but God's dream far exceeds that because He has a kingdom purpose and plan for their lives. And so His, His dream for our family, for our marriages, for our relationships is so much bigger than we often think of for ourselves. You know, maybe you're a young person here, and your dream may be to, you know, get a good job, to maybe, uh, you know, be able to afford a, uh, to purchase a house, to travel a bit, to maybe settle down, have a family, whatever. But God's dream for your life far exceeds that. It's way bigger than that. He's calling you to a kingdom purpose. Does that mean everyone needs to be a missionary or a, or a pastor or whatever? No, some, some will. But it means that in whatever you do, God can work. It means that instead of thinking up our own dream, we look to God and ask, Lord, what do you have for my life? What have you got for me? And this is not just a you know, 16, 17-year-old, I'm about to leave school, God, what do you have for me? This is each and every day. No matter our season or stage of life, God has a dream for your life that far exceeds our own ability to think, our own ability to dream. Maybe you're here and you're in the retirement stage of life. Guess what? There's still impact 
for you to have. There's still eternal significance for, for you to bring. It's, it's not over. Maybe, maybe today he's refiring a dream and a vision of how God will use you in a different season. Maybe he's speaking afresh and anew to your heart to say, you know what, it doesn't matter what the past has been, whether it's been good, great, or indifferent, I've got a dream and a purpose and a plan for your life wherever you are, whatever stage. Our author and pastor Mark Batterson says this, his plan is the greatest for our lives. Our responsibility is not to create the plan, but to discover and walk with the plan every day. Every day. You see, God's dream far exceeds your own thinking. It far exceeds your own thinking. Number two, and these are important that these two go together. Number two is this, God's dream is others-focused, not self-focused. Others-focused, not self-focused. We read earlier Joseph's dream in Genesis 37, 5 to 11 is, is from God. And initially, as you, as you read it and as his you know, brothers and, and dad interprets it, it sounds like it's all about him. But by the end of the journey for Joseph, we discover that there, there was kingdom purpose around that, that his dream actually wasn't about him, but it was about others. And I, I apologize if you've never um, read the Joseph story before. We're about to skip all the way to the last episode, like the, 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 the cliffhanger, the last 10 minutes of the, you know, limited, you know, you're on season six or whatever. We're, we're skipping to the end. So if you don't want to hear the end, just block your ears for a second. But this is Genesis 50, verse 20. Joseph speaking to his brothers. He says this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You see, everything that Joseph went through, it was all for this. This is the, this is the shortened, this is like the trailer version, right? He dreams. His brothers are jealous of him. So they're about to murder him. But instead, they throw him into a pit. Then they change their mind again and think, oh, we can make some money off this. So they sell him to slave traders. He, he, he gets sold into a guy called Potiphar into his house. He rises to the top, but, is, but he um, is falsely accused and thrown into prison. Once again, he rises to the top in, in the prison. He helps some inmates, but he's forgotten about again until he's finally remembered. And he rises to be basically second in charge in all of Egypt, only Pharaoh has more uh, power and authority than him. Why? As Joseph said, God meant it all for good to bring about the saving of many people. You see, God's dream for your life is not some super helpful life hack, you know, life optimization or um, a focus on self. God doesn't come alongside you to help you achieve your dreams, he actually has a plan and a purpose that will transform your life from the core. It's a plan that works in with his great plan to bring about the redemption of humanity. You see, not only does God have an amazing plan for your life, but it's also not focused on self, it's focused on others. And additionally, it's part of his greater plan to bring about the gospel and the good news and impact on, on the whole of the world, that we get to play a part in that. You know, this world is filled with, you know, life coaches and high achievers and social media influencers telling you to, you know, chase your dream, you know, focus on you, you know, live your, live your best life. 
but the gospel that Jesus preaches actually instructs us to deny ourselves and to follow him. This doesn't mean that we think small or have no ambition or aspiration. Instead, what it means is that we're called to discover God's dream for our life, which is always, which always, sorry, calls us into greater levels of faith, always calls us into greater levels of trust in Him. Maybe the band can come and join me just as we're, we're wrapping up, but the, um, uh, the great Christian theologian, uh, St. Augustine of Hippo, um, he called this preoccupation with self um, in, in curvatus. Okay, it, it, it's, it means love turned in on itself. And so uh, commenting on this, um, on this type of um, understanding, a guy called Jeff Cook writes this. I'll read it to you. He says this, The more I make my life, my well-being, my enlightenment, and my success primary, the farther I step from reality. Thus, the hell-bound do not travel downward. They travel inward cocooning themselves behind a mass of vanity, personal rights, religiosity, and defensiveness. Obsession with the self is the defining mark of a disintegrating soul. Whoa, we'll just sort of let that (laughs) sit there for a little bit. You see, God's dream for your life will always point your life to others, not to self. Does God have a big, amazing, expansive dream for your life? Yes. But also plot twists, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about following the dream that God has for our lives. Because when we submit our life to Christ, when we do that, He, he, he moves in an amazing way. Just like He did in Joseph, why did it? To bring about, the Bible said we read it before, the saving of many. I mentioned this scripture before, but let's, Let's read it now, Matthew 16, 24 to 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Whose dream? Remember, that's Tyler's message. Whose dream? Whose dream are you currently living out? Your own? Maybe the one someone else has given you? Maybe the expectation of family or parents or, I don't know, someone, someone else? Who, whose dream are you currently living out? Because I believe it's time for us again to allow God to speak dream and vision into our lives. I, I, I believe you're here for a reason. I believe God brought you here this morning for a reason, to speak dream and to speak vision into your heart. You know, across this place, we just bow our heads and and close our eyes for a moment. I believe God wants to speak dream and vision to people's hearts. I believe He wants to encourage some people here this morning. I believe he wants to refire and and rekindle dreams that maybe have been lost or been put on the shelf or off the side because of disappointment or disillusionment or whatever. I believe God wants to work in dreams. I believe God wants to encourage some people here this morning.